Wednesday, November 14th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Fool.com, Austin Smith. Good to see you guys. Good afternoon. Thanks for having us. Oh, do we have a show today? We've got earnings from Cisco Systems, Abercrombie and Fitch, and we've got uh, advanced micro devices. <laughs> Basically drowning. I, I, we'll get to that in a second, but we got we got to start with Cisco Systems. Um, I should point out that the Dow is down slightly, but you can't blame Cisco Systems <laughs> because shares are up seven percent this morning after first quarter earnings came in much higher than analysts were expecting. I shouldn't say much higher; they were higher than analysts mm-hmm. were expecting. But Austin, does this mean I have to stop saying bad things about CEO John Chambers? <laughs> no, it just means you have to wait until the next upgrade cycle when okay. they miss again. It's a it's it's a peak and trough company, right? The the long term demand is is always kind of going to be there, except the the pattern has been lately that it will sort of bunch itself up. Mm-hmm. So when demand comes in light, they sort of go through one of these troughs, and then. Demand picks up the next quarter, and people are like, oh, I guess they kind of sell essential equipment that is, you know, helping power the world, and then, <laughs> then you get a day like this. We need switches, after all. It had a nice ripple effect for the other networking companies. You look at Juniper and and Alcatel, Lucent, and mm-hmm. Sienna, and F5, and they were like shares of all of them were up pre-market uh, because Cisco reported after the market closed mm-hmm. yesterday. I mean, some people are taking this as a positive indicator for the tech economy, and for business spending. Should we go that far, or is this... or, or is that too optimistic a way of thinking? My, uh, my, my attitude right now is business spending, at least domestically, is still going to be tepid at best. Mm-hmm. They're only going to be making essential investments. You know, the, the fiscal cliff is a very real concern for businesses, small, medium, and large. So they're only going to be making the most essential investments. Internationally, things may be a little bit better. Uh, I, I think the story with Cisco is it's cheap today. It's a story that they're, or it's a stock that's going to have continued long-term demand, but it's going to come in sort of fits and starts and and, and bunches like we saw today. Um, but it, it's not, it, it's not dead. Jason, what do you think? Well, they have a, a hand in virtually everything that you know business around the world does today with their you know network of switches and routers and whatnot. So they are a very vital component to to business, not only in the U.S. but but globally speaking. But I think Austin's right. You know, it's a peak and trough business, and you, know, you catch the, you catch this thing at its lows, ride it to its highs, sell it, sort of rinse and repeat. You know, it's not one of those really. It's 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 just that's the way these these chip companies and tech companies work. Um, I don't know that I would I would uh, look at this as an indicator of really a uh, a turn uh, turning the corner for healthy healthier global spending as, as regard, in regard to tech. Uh, but I think it was it was certainly a surprise. It was a good release uh, when when not so good a release was expected. When you look at shares, uh, they're you look at the pop today, shares are hovering somewhere in the neighborhood of around eighteen dollars, uh, maybe a little bit below that, but the the high for the past year is over twenty one Do you still think even with the pop it's it's a cheap stock or or is this a if you hold it you know if you're already a, a shareholder it's kind of a nice day for you, but this is not a reason to run out and buy I, I'd go with the latter personally. I think there are better buys in this space, even though the company may look cheap on paper there's higher growth smaller companies that I think have a a better future that you're not really going to necessarily get that that peak and trough investment cycle that that Jason touched on. Companies like F5, um, I think they've got more growth. They've got a best-in-class service, slightly premium valuation, but it, it's a justified one. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to take the attitude that Cisco not incredibly cheap today. If you're a shareholder, it's a great day. Uh, they're they're a reasonable company, but they're a better place in the space. 
Yesterday, Reuters reported that chipmaker Advanced Micro Devices hired J.P. Morgan Chase to explore options which could include selling the company. AMD issued a statement denying it was looking to sell the company. And Jason, shares are down this morning. And it's at a 21-year low. The market didn't like that, Chris. Talk <laughs> the market, about your peaks the, and drops. The market, the market didn't like it. The market did like it on the news yesterday that, hey, you, you might be sold. That's, that's good news. And, and now with uh, the company coming out and denying it, uh, shares are down. And, and this is – God, this is just such a sad business. Well, and it's understandable. I mean, it was, it's, it's a business that has not really had a lot, of, a lot of good news lately in the last, I think, four – or so quarterly reports have really shown a uh, shown us a business in decline. Uh, you know they are going to be cutting 15 percent of their staff. They're citing weak demand. You look at a company here that is continuing to burn cash. When you look at just the, the balance sheet and the income statement, I mean R and D research and development is down 20 percent over the last five years, which just indicates that this is a business that's not really investing in itself to produce new compelling technologies. Revenue is flat, and their gross margins are just getting killed, which just means it's becoming less and less profitable and. And that basically culminates into what we're seeing today, which is stock with which is just at historical lows. Uh, so I think that many shareholders are probably hoping to see something like uh, either a sale of the business or a sale of its patent portfolio to sort of monetize the business some way. Uh, but but now that they're saying more or less, well, we don't really want to go that route right now. I think shareholders are pretty disappointed, and rightfully so. Austin, I want to get to the potential sale in a minute, but first, if you're Intel. What do you think when you see this news? Because I've been of the belief for a long time that Intel does not want AMD to go away. They want AMD to keep struggling. Mm -hmm. But if AMD goes away, and we've heard this for, gosh, close to a decade now, then the U.S. Justice Department starts looking at Intel in terms of having a monopoly on the chip world. I, I don't necessarily know that Intel has a very strong opinion on AMD one way or the other. I mean, let's be honest, they're an effective monopoly at this point anyway. I right. mean, it, most people are probably surprised to hear that AMD still exists. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the problem is, you know, it, it, Intel is also facing their own difficulties, and it's hard to call them a monopoly at this point because ARM is still making a lot of advancements, and Intel is still so so lacking on the mobile space. And when you see the 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 longer upgrade cycle of desktops and and the replacement from tablet PCs, it's it's not as it's not as if like they're Microsoft back when people were claiming Microsoft was monopoly and it, and it yeah. was this big awful thing because they're they were in a growing business. Intel may be a monopoly in in the desktop space, but because it's shrinking and because it's uh, quickly being replaced by tablets and. We see more and more computing going towards mobile. I don't think the Justice Department claims monopoly because when you look across the entire chip space, you know, mobile, desktop, tablet, Intel is still uh, – they can't claim dominance in all platforms. Among the companies Reuters reported as potential suitors for AMD, Microsoft, Google, Samsung, Facebook – do any of those – if you're any of those companies, are you looking at AMD and seriously considering buying them? I don't know. I mean, it wasn't terribly long ago we, we saw the, the rumor out there that Amazon was potentially looking at buying uh, Texas Instruments mobile chip division. And so, you know, from that perspective, you see something like a Facebook or any of these other companies for that matter trying to bring that chip uh, chip side to the business more become more vertically integrated. Uh, I mean, I could see where it might work, but really you kind of wonder for those bigger companies like Microsoft if it's not more valuable just from the patent side of things because we see how the litigation goes on and on and on with these patent wars. Um, it, 
it's just such a small company at this point. They just they're seen as really sort of an entry level, sort of lower tier chip player. That when you really when it gets down to it, I mean, the the more expensive, uh, higher performers are coming from your companies like Intel to begin with. What is the reason to buy shares of AMD today beyond the fact that it's just an incredibly you know, if you have $2 in your pocket, guess what? You can pick up a share of AMD. Um, is If you're buying shares of AMD, is it based almost entirely on the notion that you think in the next year or so they will be sold or that they will sell off their patent portfolio and that's where the value will come? Well, I mean, I think for Microsoft, they just haven't made a terrible acquisition in a while. And they, may, <laughs> they, they may be itching for the next one. In this, in this hey, don't, don't count on Cisco systems. They've made, they have plenty of cash, and they've made just as many bad acquisitions at least as we Microsoft. Know, an acquisition like this would result in like a $2 billion impairment as opposed to like a $12 billion Exactly. That's right. Not bad enough for Microsoft no, to want No, it. you're right. <laughs> I, I think there's something to that. I mean, I, I don't know that you're buying this uh, company today uh, with the hopes of it turning itself around and riding the ship. I mean, they've already stayed that it's going to be a restructuring of the business. It's going to take time. They don't see this playing out as, as uh, you know any real turnaround over the next few quarters. So buying it today, you either, number one, see some type of value in there in regard to a buyout, or number two, you, you have some sort of a grasp on what their patents may or may not be worth. You know, good luck with that. I'm not really certain that I think anyone can go in there and, and offer any kind of a, of a, a solid, reasonable figure where that's concerned. So I would probably just stay away from it altogether. Third quarter earnings for Abercrombie and Fitch up 40 percent, way more than analysts were expecting. Shares up 27 percent this morning. Austin, I know you shop there all the time, so I know you're not surprised by this. <laughs> well, I mean, I was trying to get a job there, and they said I was actually too buff. You were t- um, interestingly <laughs> enough, Austin they, they have this with this weird middle ground. His abs are made of too much titanium. <laughs> <laughs> they say I have to go put on some weight first. Um, kind of a surprise, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, anytime you see a stock pop like this off mm-hmm. of earnings news, is this a situation where they had just been struggling for long enough and analysts were expecting nothing? That, that's purely what this is. You, that's all that this jump is. First of all, I think it's exaggerated. Frankly, I think the reaction is too too uh, overwhelming here. But this just shows how low the expectations were. Uh, this is a company that had a really rough time in the last few years. They've got big exposure to Europe. We know Europe is you know continually swirling around the toilet bowl and paints <laughs> <laughs> a picture. Right. And uh, you know Abercrombie with exposure to a, a saturated domestic market with weak consumer dollars and big exposure to Europe. People expected things to come in awful, and they came in less awful, but still awful, in my right. opinion. Uh, Jason, to that point, in reading through the the numbers, um, what popped out at me was the fact that you know they, they have these earnings that beat expectations. The shares pop. You look at their same-store sales, they're actually down 3%. Yeah, and I mean, that's just, I think Austin pretty much said it there. It was just less bad than maybe what people were expecting. I'd say this quarter was better than what people expected, but it certainly wasn't good. Uh, sales are up. However, U.S. sales are flat, and they, you know, seventy-five percent of their revenue comes from the U.S. So that's yeah. that's crucial. That's important. Now, international sales did perform well, but the bottom line is that comps are still down three uh, percent. Gross margin, we saw some expansion there, two and a half two and a half percentage points, which is a very big deal. But even over the stretch of time, gross margins are still uh, still compressing a little bit, which is concerning. But the bottom line here is that it was a it was a surprise report. They revised guidance upward for the for the following quarter, and the, the market was just looking for some kind of good news today. And so this was it. At 40 times earnings, don't jump on this bandwagon. I mean, you're looking at competitors like Aeropostal, American Eagle, and even Gap, all still selling at less than 20 times earnings. So at 40 times earnings today, you have to believe that 
uh, you have to believe really that this company has that type of growth uh, prospect left in it, which is just absurd to think. I mean, it's it's not it's it's out of control. When you guys look at this space, sort of the teen apparel space, and you mentioned Aeropostale, American Eagle, Gap, Factor, and Abercrombie and Fitch. I have a teenager in my home, and I love her to death, but. I would not want to invest based on her apparel preferences, you know, on any given quarter to quarter basis. Does does this space interest either one of you guys? Uh, for, for me personally, not for the very reason you mentioned over the long run and over the short run, we're also seeing really high unemployment in teenagers, about 20, 25% the last time I checked. So there's not a whole lot of discretionary income in that bracket right now, which means you really have to look towards new store expansion, which is um, you know not really a, a long-term story that I want. You know, I want a brand that is durable. And in that case, I'd much rather go for a, for a coach than any of the teen retailers. So I've never been a fan of this space. I think American Eagle has the best balance sheet in the industry, but that doesn't make them a buy. It doesn't make the industry by you were talking about coach the other day yeah I mean coaches coaches are quite a bit different than these than these teen retailers I mean they are offering out all these you know goods that geez my wife your wife or I think we've talked about the coach gift card as being just the easy go-to for any uh for any gift for your they wife, have gift cards. Let me write anniversary or Christmas <laughs> gift, and that's Coach, folks. Uh, but no, I I don't really have any interest in this space other than. The the more reputable brands with with more diverse revenue streams. So Gap, for example, is one that I would I would take over any of them. But that's simply because they have more names under that umbrella with uh, Banana Republic and Old Navy to go along with Gap. But when you're looking at things like Aeropostale and, and Abercrombie and Fitch, they are they're based solely on these teen audiences. Very fickle. Uh, I just don't see any real durability there. They can be interesting from a value perspective if you can get them at a real cheap price, uh, but then you have to really be ready to sell them when they become overpriced. We will wrap it up there. Jason Moser, Austin Smith, guys, thanks for being here. Thanks. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. tomorrow.